Hello and welcome to the ADHD Dive, the show that's not about ADHD, but is filled with proof it exists. My name is David J. Mund, uh, your host, your captain, your leader. I gotta stop saying that. I'm not any of those things other than the host of the ADHD Deep Dive, my own self-aggrandizing, self-validating podcast. Um, before we get started today, because there are a couple of things that I want to talk about in particular, since last we spoke, because last week I took the week off, um, if you're a regular listener, I suppose you will have already known that by this point, but uh, since last we spoke, uh, our short film Penelope has been released. Um, this is something that I've talked about probably a lot on this podcast. It's been kind of a secret, kind of not for the longest time. All we had put out was one little teaser and like a couple of screen grabs from the short film, if anything. Um, but it is finally out. Nikolai and I have been working on this since I believe March, maybe early April. Um, and it is our first real like I've done little like independent by myself, one person, one camera, one actor, whatever shorts that I would call thrillers because I wanted to try leaning in, in that direction, but none of them actually felt like a legitimate short film. This one does. And it feels like we finally made something we're actually proud of. I know I'm proud of it. I know Nikolai's proud of it. Um, and the feedback has been kind of mind blowing. I'll be honest. Um, the the rate at which the views are coming in is kind of alarming. Not alarming in a bad way. Kind of shocking, surprising. Um, definitely exceeding my own expectations, that's for sure. We were hoping that we would get about 50 views in the first day. Um, and we got about 200. And that was on a Friday. That was great. And then we were hoping... You know, before before we knew that 200 number, we were hoping for about 150 views over the course of the week. Maybe 200 would be really cool. Um, and now we're closing in on 600 at this point. So actually, let me let's do a real time look at what this short film has garnered, because again, we're not even in the full seven days yet. We're closing in on it. That's for sure. Oh, somebody just commented. The suspense was 100% there. I loved it. Can't wait to see what you do next. I'm going to respond to them right now on the podcast by saying thank you so much. We really appreciate you watching. We're glad you enjoyed it. That's probably a basic ass response. I am actually genuinely appreciative. Um, I just have ADHD and I have a hard time doing two things at once, so I couldn't put all my love and care into that response as I'm shooting content. <laughs> okay, so we have, according to my calculations, 566 views, 40 likes, zero dislikes. Don't be that guy. Don't be the first person to do it. Um, and 10 comments. Uh, and we are not quite in the full seven days. We released it on July 7th at seven o'clock. It is July 14th at just about noon right now. So in about seven hours, it will be the full one week. And we pretty much, we pretty much tripled, if not a little bit more than uh, our expectations for what we'd have in the first week. That's amazing. 
Um, and one of the cool things about YouTube analytics is that they break it down a little bit further um, than I'm used to seeing with like Instagram or whatever normal sharing stuff. Um, it looks like uh, the reach. Um, okay, so we've had plenty of unique viewers. 12.1 thousand impressions. So people while scrolling have seen that this exists. That's pretty crazy. Um, the traffic sources. Okay, typically I like seeing like, okay, are my friends sharing this? So that would show me external typically. Um, so if I click on the external analytics, it would tell me like, so it tells me that 24.4% of the views have come externally from outside YouTube. So that typically means that somebody shared it on their social media, somebody clicked that link, and then they went in and that counted as a view. Usually that is much higher because the only people watching my videos are my friends and my family at this point. Um, right now, however, for Penelope, our highest traffic source is through suggested videos at 36.6%, which means that people are seeing it while watching other YouTube videos or it's up on their homepage like you usually see in your suggested feed. And YouTube is now recommending this video to other people rather than me needing to share it. Of course, I share it and you sharing it has been extraordinarily helpful. Uh, let's see though, um, suggested videos. Let's take a look just at that. Um, I think it'll actually tell me where some of these views are coming from because something that we were looking at the other day while breaking down the analytics is like, okay, so some of the search results are people are finding this in horror short film. If they go in onto YouTube and they're just searching horror short film, they'll find our short through that uh, medium. But also while watching other short films, it'll, appear on the side or however YouTube does it now on the bottom. I mean, it hasn't been on the sidebar in, wow, a very long time. I don't think so. At least not on mobile. But anyways, uh, <laughs> where am I going? Uh, I'm just saying this is very, this is very exciting. Okay. Our, our video is being recommended through other horror short films. Um, and exceeding our expectations beyond our wildest imagination. So we are very thankful for all the love that you've given it. If you have not by this point, the link is in the description to our short film, Penelope. It is a thriller slash horror short film about an oddities collector who receives a package that uh, appears to be a little more than it seems at first and involves the main character, a hairless sphinx cat <laughs> named Penelope. Um, so I think that's all I really need to say uh, right off the bat, right? I mean, we got that taken care of. I'm very appreciative, very grateful for all the love and support that you've given it up to this point. But if you would, please give it another view, give it another share, give it another like if you can. I think you can only like once on YouTube, but you know, help me out. Unlike it? No, don't unlike it. Just keep the likes. Okay, all right, there we go. Penelope, out now. Okay, now the more uh, pressing thing. Why wasn't I here last week? Where were you, David? Um, well, Friday was the actual release of Penelope, as I said. So I went to Traverse City to have a little bit of a release party celebration with Nick 
excuse me, gross. Uh, I went to have a little bit of a release party celebration with Nikolai and Sabrina and a few of their friends. So we all watched it on Nick's projector that they have up in their apartment um, to get that first view in to kind of enjoy and appreciate and love ourselves and reflect and like enjoy it through fresh eyes because uh, Nick and Sabrina's friends had not seen it yet. But from there, um, as I'm sure some of you are familiar with, because I've talked about this on the podcast a few times, uh, I went to Mackinac Island, which is a tiny, if you're not familiar and you're not in Michigan, let me see if I can get this on the camera here. Okay, so I'm doing the Michi Michigander thing for the audio listeners, where when you try to point out where something is, you just use your hand because our hand or our state looks like a hand. This is Michigan, right? Right here at the tippy top, there's a little bridge that connects Michigan to, uh, or the lower peninsula to the upper peninsula of Michigan. That bridge is called the Mackinac Bridge. Just offset to that by a few miles is this tiny little island called Mackinac Island. Um, I have talked to a few people on this podcast about that experience that I did last year. Um, you can check them out. Uh, I had one of the musicians, the resident music, one of the resident musicians on the island, Gil Scott Chapman. Um, he was on the podcast, um, and we saw him again this year. It was great. Uh, Molly Tizma, aka Faith Laurel, uh, one of my dear friends. She was on the podcast. She was one of the princesses last year, and this year she played Rapunzel. Uh, I believe I also talked to Emily Miller, who last year was um, Snow White, Sleeping Beauty. I'm not good with my princesses. They're, they're the same in my brain. Snow White and Sleeping Beauty are the same either way. Uh, I know they're not. It was Snow White, I think. The one with the little bow? I can't remember. Anyways. Uh, and she'll be doing it again uh, in a couple of months in August because now they're doing it two or two times out of the year, two times during the summer. Because last year we had about, I don't know, definitely more than 100 kids. And then this year we had, I don't know, maybe 40, maybe 50 total kids because it's getting split up into two different events. So it's kind of cool. Uh, here, let me let me back it up a little bit more. So. So if you have seen those episodes, you're a little bit more familiar. So I'll try to do a somewhat shorter summary of what it is if you have not heard. So I work for a company, which the, the big company itself is the American Immersion Theater, which is the parent company of a few different types of offshoots of immersive theater. So I also work for the, uh, as, a, as a part of the American Immersion Theater, I work for the Grand Rapids Troupe of the Murder Mystery Company which is pretty much just like it sounds. If you've ever done or been to a murder mystery, this is a company that hires actors and has their own independent stories that are written independently by writers there at the um, at the company. Now, Grand Rapids just happens to be where I live. This is a company, the American Immersion Theater is all over America, um, and there are multiple different troops, but the murder mystery company and this other company, the Princess Party Company, are both entities of or both offshoots of the same entity, the American Immersion Theater. So the super, or sorry, the uh, Princess Party Company has, I don't know if it's a contract, I, I'm just an actor here, I'm not part of uh, producing or directing or booking any of these shows, or so I, I guess I apologize if I speak out of turn on something I don't necessarily know, but my understanding is that the American Immersion Theater and therefore the Princess Party Company 
um, has a contract with uh, the Grand Hotel, which is one of the most prestigious hotels in Michigan. It just so happens to be the largest hotel um, on Mackinac Island. And, you know, there's a bunch of other historical things. There was a battle that took place on Mackinac Island. Um, and, you know, things about this hotel in particular, just the reason that it makes it so prestigious is because, you know, presidents have stayed there. Vice presidents always go there. Um, has a lot to do with politics and schmoozing and all that kind of shit. Um, but this event in and of itself is a three to four day experience where parents can bring their kids to the grand hotel, this beautiful isle or beautiful hotel on this beautiful Island little resort kind of area where there's no cars. Um, people only uh, travel around by bikes or horse-drawn carriage. They think there's only like two or three vehicles on the island because they're like ambulance and security and those types of things. And then there's like a little airport if they need to get people in and out via helicopter or whatever. Get them to mainland Michigan and then fly them out in case of emergency. Mm, what was I saying? Anyways, the my understanding is that the Princess Party Company has a contract with the Grand Hotel in that once or twice a year for about three or four days out of the out of the week. It's kind of like your own little Disney experience in that kids around the island or kids specifically at the Grand Hotel get interactions with and games and experiences and fun with all of their favorite superheroes and princesses. So there's Rapunzel and Cinderella and Belle and Snow White. No, not Snow White. I don't remember. And uh, Elsa and Anna from Frozen and Ariel and Tiana. And then, you know, there's superheroes. This year there's Batman, Captain America, and Spider-Man. I was Spider-Man this year. I was Spider-Man last year. Um... But there's a lot of cool things that the kids get to do. So like there's like superhero training and then they go off with, you know, the princesses and they do their like tea time and they there's like a grand ball where everybody kind of dances together. And as I said to the group and the troop actually in real time while this was happening, if you know me, which some of you do and some of you don't, but if you don't, I'm not a kid's guy. I just, I just, I don't want them. I don't often like them, especially for long periods of time. Three to four days of only positive, well, mostly positive interactions with kids as they're like super psyched to be interacting with me, Spider-Man. Um, I can handle that. That's kind of cool. They're, they're, all, they're having fun. You know, they're not throwing tantrums. Everybody's excited to be there. It's just fun and wholesome and sweet and cool. Um, uh, you know, so for a little uh, negative Nancy like me when it comes to children, it's just it's so sweet and wholesome that you kind of can't avoid being like in awe of the experience itself. And as I've mentioned a few times on the podcast and as have the guests who went there with me, it's kind of crazy that we even get to do that. Um, I, I don't think it's really my place to discuss how much actors are making on that thing because we all make the same. And if I revealed how much I made, it would be uh, revealing at least i think we all make the same i could be wrong <laughs> there's a little naivety here i hope it makes sense. i mean whatever I, that's not the point what i'm trying to say is we're getting paid for the event but we're also being 
ferried over there because you have to go on a boat to take you over to the island, which is just this beautiful, majestic experience on one of the Great Lakes. And then as you approach the island, it's just this majestic sight and you get to kind of wander around the island and then you stay in the, again, the most prestigious hotel in the state, maybe one of the most in the country. I don't know. This is, again, another bit of ignorance and naivety coming out. Um, but, and then you are a paid actor on this amazing property. You eat some of the most incredible, luxurious food I've ever been offered in my entire life. Look, dude, I eat peanut butter and banana sandwiches and some fruit smoothies and occasionally an omelet and a $1 thing from Taco Bell. That's my diet, okay, as a vegetarian. Some of the shit I ate there, not just a vegetarian, as a, as a broke vegetarian, some of the shit I ate there was like, Top notch. I don't want to, this isn't the part of the podcast where I'm like kind of gloating because again, does this change my financial situation? Absolutely not. In fact, to a certain degree, I kind of lost money on this experience only because I haven't been paid for it yet. There's like a, it's a total normal thing. This isn't a complaint of mine. I'm just saying the only reason that I would or could do something like this is because the experience is worth its weight in gold in that I would never, could never, at least at this point, be able to afford or enjoy an experience like this. But beyond that, there's also this kind of reflection that there was a, a period of time in my life where there is absolutely no way this would have been able to happen because of my physical fitness. I was cast as Spider-Man Arguably the most, if not one of the most, agile, flexible, fast superheroes that exists, at least in the Marvel Universe or the cultural zeitgeist, right? Everybody knows Spider-Man. And I got cast to be him as a guy who, less than 10 years ago, less than, let's see, about six years ago, was... 260 pounds, um, ridiculously out of shape. Oh, my dragon fruit cactus is falling apart as I sit here. I have it all twisted up. That thing's a pain in my ass. Okay, I got it. Uh, ADHD deep dive. Here we go. Um, what was I saying? Spider-Man. Yeah, I was a big guy, you know? And this isn't shade on big people or heavier people. This is just, I was miserable at that time. I was ridiculously out of shape. I couldn't. You know, I was struggling to walk a mile. Now I'm engaged in daily yoga. I'm about 170-ish pounds now. I'm probably 175 now that I've kind of leveled out. Um, I'm a vegetarian and have been so for six years. Uh, I'm stronger than I've ever been. I'm more flexible than I've ever been. I don't think that I have the stamina, the best stamina that I ever did because I am still um, <clears throat> smoking that ganja. And that's had a little bit of effect on my um, my lung capacity. Uh, but my endurance, my, uh, my strength, my flexibility. I mean, to be clear, during that entire event, I was dumping sweat, okay? Dumping sweat. 
you know, you're in the you're in the suit, so like, you know, it's not super obvious that you're like drenched in sweat. You're not like sticky to the touch, but like, you know, that you're in a hot suit and it's, you know, I don't I don't know how to compare the quality here. The the angle is that it's the the quality you would get if not better go, than going to like a Disney resort, right? One of the Disney theme parks. Like it's not just some dude in a costume like, you know, Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man when he walks into the wrestling match. It's not like that. It's not like a hoodie and like some like DIY thing. This thing is legit, okay? It's legit. Uh, again, something I would never be able to afford or do or experience just being in that kind of costume. And it's very empowering to see, you know, for years I looked in a mirror and was just like, uh, just, I don't want to use, uh, I know there's like a weird way when people talk about like weight loss that it seems like they're kind of being fat phobic and blah, blah, blah. I'm talking about my own personal experiences. It's not about you. This is not about anybody else other than me. I did not like the way that I looked. I did not like the way that I felt. I did not like the way that I behaved and who I was. And then I was Spider-Man. 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 The very same. It's just amazing. Just what a reflection of where I am, who I've become, who I am becoming, how far I've come. And... It kind of allows me to lean into the openness of like, if you think you're miserable now, maybe you are, but that's not, that's not permanent. You know, nah, I'm not going to lean into the prophetic side of this. I just think it's just cool that I am where I am. Not to really hover on this experience too long because it is kind of uh, you had to be there type of thing. I mean, there's plenty of pictures that have been put out in videos that kind of reflect how fun the experience was outside of the actual work part of it. Um, but something that I thought was particularly adorable that I think I needed to address. And I was so exhausted after this experience was over because it really is. I mean, I think outside of being Spider-Man, because I didn't have my phone on me while being Spider-Man. Outside of being Spider-Man, I had the, an average of about 20,000 steps a day. And then you're in that suit for like 10 hours, running around, doing deep lunge squats for poses and acrobatics to like entertain the kids. I'm like, you know, by the end, I'm hanging off of fire escapes and balconies and stuff for picture opportunities and stuff. Things I probably shouldn't have done without health insurance, to be clear rather dangerous <laughs> things that I, again, shouldn't have done. But in between all of that, in kind of one of the calm moments, this little girl came up to me. I want to say she's probably seven years old. Um, and I, I remember her name. I guess I shouldn't say her name for uh, uh, whatever. It's not important anyways. But so she comes up to me. And she's telling me all about how Spider-Man is her absolute favorite superhero. She loves Spider-Man. She's seen all my movies. Um, she's got all these toys at home. And all she talks about is Spider-Man, Spider-Man, Spider-Man. And that's what mom's saying too. Mom is right off to the corner and just like, yep, she really does. 
you know, so we're high fiving. She gives me a hug. We do a little pose in a picture. And then that's during like the registration period where the kids are signing in with their parents um, and everybody's kind of um, getting familiar with who the characters are. Because let's be real, like when you see these larger than life figures that up until now you thought were only in the movies, um, some of the kids are like unsure about it, right? The first, there's like an uncanny valley thing, right? Where it's like, I, I think I hear a voice. It looks human-esque. I think that looks like the thing that I know from the movies and television, but like I'm, I, I've never seen it in person before. Is it real? So it's like a little unsettling for kids. So this is just like a, a warm up, welcome, get to know ya, hello, I'm not going to eat you alive type experience. But it was great for her. It didn't care. She's into Spider-Man, no hesitation, no pause, whatever. The next day, it's... Uh, time for, or sorry, that night or something. I don't remember. It's time for tattoos. Um, where like some of the kids could either get some of their, could, could get their nails painted by some of the princesses or they could go in and get tattoos from Wonder Woman or Batman or some other princesses were doing tattoos, but Spider-Man was just kind of going around giving high fives, checking in because Spider-Man is not supposed to be sitting still, right? He's supposed to be moving around, being agile and kind of like, you know, making kids laugh and blah, blah, blah. So she comes up to me, that little girl, by the end of the tattoo time, and she shows me that she's got Batman on her cheek. She goes, isn't this so cool? Now she shows me like a, a Spider-Man here, a Spider-Man here, a Spider-Man here, but there's a Batman on her cheek. And I don't know why I said this. And upon reflection, I probably shouldn't have because David would say this, but Spider-Man wouldn't say this. I was like making her, her laugh and like pointing at the, t the tattoos. And then I poked to the one on the cheek and I said, well, why'd you get that one? She goes, because I like Batman too. And I was like, but don't you like Spider-Man more? And she said something along the lines of like, yeah, but you're both superheroes. And I said, yeah, but Spider-Man's a real superhero. <laughs> In that moment, I, I, I kind of realized, oh, shoot. Shouldn't have done that because what you said by saying that you're saying Batman is not a real superhero. Does that mean she would take it as in Batman is not real? No. But what she has taken it is not that this guy said that he likes Spider-Man more than Batman, but that Spider-Man has declared that Batman is not a real superhero. And that shook her to her core. Her mouth dropped. She's just like, I'm going to tell Batman you said that because one of the other actors, Kyle, was playing Batman. So I do this little joke like, oh, no, don't do that. <laughs> Realizing that, like, I, I should probably go tell Batman, like, heads up. We're going to have to, like, navigate this in conversation. So I go up to Batman. I tell him, hey, just as a heads up, I told this little girl that you're not a real superhero. I didn't really mean to do that, but you're going to have to you're going to have to figure this out. <laughs> So she doesn't come up to him that day. He doesn't tell Batman anything. But what I have come to learn, and there is there is video of this uh, that I think can be shared through the company, but because it's not my footage, I probably can't share this publicly. At least the video, I can talk about it publicly. Uh, this little girl pretty much waits until everybody leaves the tattoos and the uh, the nails and stuff. Gets out of there. 
or sorry, everybody leaves except for her. And she goes one by one to these princesses. And it's like, I need to talk to you. So you've got pretty much every single Disney owned or Disney adjacent, the, the heroes and by, or the princesses and by princesses. I also include Wonder Woman. There was an actor who was also Wonder Woman, who's a superhero and a princess, it's a whole thing. But anyways, she gets them to sit on the floor around her in a circle. And she tells them all what Spider-Man said to her. So she's ratting me out, but <laughs> she's also being very sweet and saying like, like she's having a crisis of consciousness. Like I didn't think Spider-Man could say something like that or do something like that. I didn't know that Spider-Man could feel that type of way about another superhero. So there's this vertical video of all the, the princesses sitting around her in a circle, but she's also like watching the ceiling and the walls to make sure that Spider-Man isn't listening in on her. And it's the most, it's the most adorable thing. So she's basically telling on Spider-Man to the princesses. So there's basically a green room where everyone's uh, changing into different costume or because it's, it is, it is again, a part of the American immersion theater. It is immersive theater, theater. So you're changing costumes, you're moving in and out, there's set decorations, we're changing things, we're setting up things for the next event. Constantly we're trying to like maintain some sort of like secret identity as the human beings underneath the masks. And I don't just mean that in like a Peter Parker Spider-Man thing. I mean that in like, you know, if some kid finds out that Spider-Man is some bald dude with piercings and tattoos, that's gonna, <laughs> that's gonna fuck up their perspective of Spider-Man, right? Okay. So, uh, the princesses come into the green room and they are now the actors and they're just telling me like, Hey, this is really funny. Like as a concept, it's, it's actually funny. It's a funny story, but we probably should do something about this because I think she's going to leave this event thinking that like, there's an issue. So I talked to the actors. I talked to the director. I talked to Batman himself. I'm like, listen, we got to make this right with her. She is actually offended on behalf of Batman. She is trying to um, um, not rat me out. She is trying to see that justice is, is served, right? I think most importantly, she needed an apology. She wanted an apology. So I basically come to the conclusion with all the actors that like what we're going to do is have Spider-Man apologize in front of or to Batman in front of her and we're going to give her the credit. So we do exactly that. I see her in the morning. She's part of this um when it comes to superhero training, the actual event of superhero training, basically there's like a stage where you're with Wonder Woman and or maybe you're with you're with Spider-Man and some other character and then you're doing like agility and speed training and you're like running an obstacle course and then you're doing like uh, combat training with Captain America and Wonder Woman and then there's like a parachute game thing that you're doing with some of the princesses or whatever. So after she finishes my obstacle course, she tells me straight up to my face, I'm going to tell Batman today what you said. And I was like, hey, <laughs> it's time you and I had a little chat. 
And yeah, I get down to her level because she's what, freaking two and a half feet? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I get down to her level and I basically tell her straight up, like, you are so right to be upset with me. Um, superheroes don't make fun of other people. They don't bully people. If someone claims that they're a superhero, then they're a superhero. And it's important that she knew even superheroes get things wrong, which means that superheroes have to apologize sometimes. So when everything was over, grab her by the hand, I take her up to Batman, and I get down to her level. She's kind of like watching on to make sure that I do it properly. I was like, Batman, I just wanted to say that I am so sorry. <laughs> uh, I told you know, this little girl, that you weren't a real superhero and that was really mean of me. And, you know, I've been thinking about it and I realized how much I needed to apologize. And I just want to say that I think you're a real superhero and you're a real stand-up guy, <laughs> whatever. I just kept going on. And she was just like watching very proudly, like a, like a proud mama. Like, that's right, you apologized. And then she hugged all the princesses, hugged the superheroes. We kind of went about our way. And then we were all kind of buddies for the rest of the experience. She was like thankful that we apologized, <laughs> thankful that we made up. She had this like new understanding of what it means to like apologize to your friends. And it was just, it was cool. It was a beautiful experience. And again, as a person who is like, I'm not anti-children, of course, we're all children once. Um, I just think the buck stops here right? The generational trauma stops here with this guy. No kids for me. Uh, but it's just, it's, it's cool to give a, a, a child a positive experience like that in what could be seen as, um, I mean, it's a very luxurious experience, right? Like you have to have some degree of money or finances behind you. And with some kind of wealth comes some sort of privilege and you know there are some kids and parents who come in there and all they want to do is like take pictures for the instagram and they don't really care about the fact that their kid is having fun or not it's just it's all for social media and likes and whatever but when you actually get to like be a part of a life lesson with someone that you're like you know she might remember that it might just be this silly like remember that one time we went to this place and spider-man and batman apologize but like the way that we present it is like you taught us a, a valuable lesson. And so we now as adults and superheroes and princesses are going to actualize that lesson right in front of you to show you how powerful an apology or kindness can actually be rather than just thinking about it as a concept. I thought that was beautiful. And it leads me to reflect on whether or not I would do this again because I didn't think that I was going to do this again because I I hadn't been asked up until maybe a month month and a half before the show itself and I had kind of resigned myself to the idea that like I did it it was cool I had this experience did it once great time lots of fun hard work minimal pay great experience just, just a lot. And so when I found out that I would be doing it again, or when I found out that they asked me to do it again, I was like, you know what? It's last minute. Sure. I don't have any gigs coming up. Let's do it. 
and a lot of my friends were going to be there. Same from last time. And a few new faces that I hadn't seen yet in this capacity that had joined the troupe that I was excited to meet and see act in, in that way. But would I do it again? Right now, I don't know. Is immersive theater what I want to do? Is immersive is an immersive actor what I want to be? No. Can I do that and be other things? Yes, of course. I can do all the things and be whatever I want to be. But um, I, I don't know. I, I, I do love the reflection that I can do this and that I'm good at it. I'm not just like some neckbeard Spider-Man fan who shows up in a DIY costume. I am an agile, flexible, entertaining, fun, witty Spider-Man. But man, closing in on 30, and it's a lot into my knees. <laughs> um, it's a few days away from home. Uh, a few days away from the dogs, which is still a difficult thing to figure out as far as sitters go. Um, so I don't know. I, I suppose only time will tell. But I will say that I don't regret doing it either time. It has been a phenomenal experience both times. And it has actually left a major impact on me as far as like life experiences go. It, it is one of the best experiences I've had. But is too much of a good thing a bad thing? I don't know. Time will tell. All right, so before we move on to the last little bit here, um, I put a little shout out on Instagram as I did last time around uh, on that app NGL, which I believe, I still don't know for sure, but I think stands for not gonna lie, unless it's some hip lingo that um, I'm not familiar with, in which case, whoops. Um, and I just said, I'm about to start the podcast. Uh, towards the end of the podcast, I will look to see if there are any submissions and I will answer a couple of the questions. Um, and I'll look now, uh, there's not too many, but there were two back to back that I assume are from the same person that I think is probably enough to get me going on a tangent or a rant or a whatever that I think will work. So if you want your answer, if you want your question answered, um, be sure to follow me on Instagram at David J. Mund. Um, and then randomly I'll post on my story that I'm about to go live and then, um, you can ask your question. So the questions back to back are, what do you love about yourself? And then the other question is, what do you dislike about yourself? One moment, my dogs are licking their, oh, stop, hey, bro, Gus. It's just such an awful noise. Gus. Oh man, when a dog is, blah, blah, blah. never mind. Okay, <laughs> what do you love about yourself? What do you dislike about yourself? Let's see if I can do this in 10 minutes or less. <laughs> uh, hmm. Do I want to start with the good or the bad? Do you want to end on a negative note? Because I do have a, a thing to talk about. Let's go with what I dislike about myself, then what I love about myself, and then we'll talk about the last thing that I wanted to talk about today. Okay? What do I dislike about myself. Should I have read this before doing this segment? Maybe. 
would help me maybe think about what I'm going to say. Am I just talking to stall? Stalling? Am I stalling? Hmm. <laughs> I mean, I talk about it every week, right? Everything. I dislike everything about myself. How do you refine it down to just one thing, right? I mean, I know that that's what you want. I don't know how to do that. I could pluck one out of thin air, I guess. But like, really, if you, if you love yourself unequivocally and there's nothing you dislike about yourself, and I'm not saying this is something that you have to talk about constantly. You don't have to project out loud and announce to the world, I hate this about myself and you should know it. Oh, Gus just bumped the camera. Bro, I gotta go fix it. Hang on. Okay, let's try that again. If you love everything about yourself and there's not one single thing that you dislike or wish you could change or whatever, I think the actual word for that is narcissist. I mean, you know what? Let's look it up. I'll be my own producer. Who needs a producer? What is the definition of a narcissist? A person who has excessive interest or admiration, sorry, a person who has an excessive interest in or admiration of themselves. A personality qualities include thinking very highly of oneself, needing admiration, believing others are inferior and lacking empathies for lacking empathy for others. I'm sure that to some degree, you know, you can love yourself unequivocally without thinking that you are superior to others. However, Judah's getting a real loud drink, and I bet it's something that you can't even hear, but I can't not address it. Um, yeah, a person who has an excessive interest in or admiration of themselves. My understanding for the longest time was that narcissists, the people who project how much they love themselves, um, have something underneath that they hate, that they loathe so much so they have to, as a defense mechanism, project confidence and superiority. But maybe that's not true. Maybe there is just an inability to reflect on the negative of yourself or see that you are in the wrong or see that you are at fault. But what is the exact opposite of that? It's me. <laughs> I hate, I hate just about everything about myself. I hate my smile. I hate the color of my teeth. I hate my f fucking ginger hair. I hate that there's none of my ginger hair left on the top of my head. I hate the size of my torso in comparison to my legs. I hate the sound of my voice. I hate the ideas that I have. I hate that I ramble. I hate the controversial opinions that I have. I hate that I can never keep them to myself. What else? I mean, I can go on forever. Forever. But what do I love about myself? Here we go. Here we go. Ooh, real time. You're getting raw, unfiltered mind here. Wish I wouldn't have said that. What do I love about myself? I turn every single one of those things that I absolutely loathe about myself, I turn my pain into art. My drop. What do I love about myself? I don't give a fuck. I do care. I do care about people's opinions of me because why would I 
constantly be to, you know, there's a little subtle tinge of narcissism in a person that hates themselves so much. Because like I said at the beginning, I thought or think or sometimes believe or whatever up until now have had this opinion that a narcissist is someone who hates themselves secretly but has to project. I hate myself publicly. And so I like to talk about it out loud. Is that a narcissist? I don't know. Um, but things that I hate about myself, I talk about in a podcast. I am vulnerable. That can be seen as a negative or a positive. I choose in this moment to view it as a positive because I don't have anything else to say. <laughs> um, I mean, so I guess in that vein, technically, what do I love about myself? I'm talented. Oh, God. <laughs> Why did that hurt to say? I keep bumping this fucking microphone. I'm sorry. Why did that hurt to say? Hmm? I am talented. It's, I mean, obviously to a degree, it's objectively true, but like why subjectively can't I believe that? I don't know. Do I believe that? Or do I not believe that? I don't know. I hate everything about myself, but I love that I'm learning not to care or I'm learning that it doesn't matter and that nobody's really paying attention to the negative anyway. They see what they want to see and that's it. And that's, there's nothing I can do about that. And I think for the longest time, I was under the impression that I had to live my life in accordance to what everyone else thought of me. Um, and I don't really do that much these days. So I hope that answers your question. It probably doesn't. I was probably trying to avoid a lot of pain and opening up some can of worms I wasn't ready to go into. Open up? I don't know. There's your answer. Follow me on Instagram, at David J. Mund. And every once in a while, I'll post a link to allow you to submit an anonymous question on NGL. Okay, last thing I wanted to talk about. Next week's episode, if all goes according to plan, and I'm trying to not do like a, I'm trying to do like a show don't tell thing where like it would be, it would be better for me to just like drop this and be like, here you go. Bet you weren't expecting that. And then you just have it. But the things are happening we're talking trying to make shit things happen i have a friend his name is john eberhard uh we grew up in cities just around the corner from each other he produced one of the first breakout singles that we had in the band live for tomorrow i'm actually wearing our first ever shirt well i think it's our second shirt uh, the band that I was formerly a part of that is still continuing on. You can look them up now. Live for tomorrow. Um, he is now the, what I believe, bassist keyboardist in the band I Prevail, which if you don't know, is currently one of the biggest rock, if not hard rock, metal adjacent bands in the world right now. Um, because I am aloof and unaware, I can't 
pitch out specific genres or specific bands to compare them to. Um, all I know is that they have recently been playing to seas of people overseas. I didn't mean that as a pun in that the overseas way, but they're playing to an ungodly amount of people that like I aspire to see a 15th of enjoy my music one day. Um, it will likely in some capacity be the biggest audience that will come to a particular episode of the ADH deep dive so far. I don't want to make expect or set up expectations, so I'm not going to manifest some flop. I don't know how big it could be or whatever. I just think it's this wouldn't I'll lean this into that. What do I love about myself? Um, you know, there's no reason for me to believe that he would have said no in any way. I mean, he was a friend back in the day. We've kept in touch on social media. We're not like best of buds, but we've got a lot in common. We give each other praise every once in a while when we post something cool on social media. But I thought to myself, like, nah, he's too big. He wouldn't come on the podcast. He realizes now that it's too, like, he's beyond little low lives like this guy. Um, and the second I asked, he was like, yeah, dude, let's do it. ASAP, like as soon as possible, let's do it. I'd love to do it. So um, I believe that I will be having uh, Nikolai Van Stinas, who you probably know by this point if you listen to the podcast, but not only has he been a guest on multiple times, but he's also the co-creator um, and cinematographer of our short film, Penelope, that I alluded to at the beginning. So stay tuned for next week's episode. Um, if you're a fan of that type of music, even if you're not, I think he's going to have some amazing stories about what he's done on his tour with I prevail. Um, freaking check out Penelope. The link is in the description for that. If you have not seen it yet, it, I've never been more proud of a project that I have been a part of. Um, and the views are just racking up in comparison to anything else that I've done. So <laughs> Thank you for watching it as many times as you have. If you've watched it multiple times, thank you for sharing. Thank you for liking. Thank you for commenting. Thank you for subscribing. Um, I am looking forward to seeing you next week. Uh, one of the things that I haven't talked about in a while, uh, if you tap the link in the description here, um, there is a way for you to support directly this podcast. It's the Buzzsprout subscriptions. Um, I don't get any money from that personally. It's not like I can just withdraw and put it into my bank account. The money that gets spent there goes towards Buzzsprout expenses, which is like boosting and promoting the podcast. It's where it's distributed. Um, I upload uh, the audio version to a central hub through Buzzsprout and they put it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, all the other places that podcasts are listened to. Um, and you can donate anything up to, I believe, $10. So it's uh, $3, $5, I think $8, and then $10 are the tiers. It's monthly, or you can do just a one-time donation. And again, I'm not withdrawing any of this money. It's not like I'm going out to get a bag of chips with the $3 that you gave. That would go towards uh, more upload time or higher um, AI or like better AI tools that I can use to edit the podcast or put in pre-roll advertisements or whatever. So... If you'd like to be a part of that, tap the link in the description, watch Penelope, check out some of I Prevail's music before next week's episode. What else we got? I think that's it, right? Holy cow, we did it. I love you. <laughs> Keep going. Thank you for joining the ADH Deep Dive, and I'll see you next week. 